Good day. Happy September, everyone. We are back. Maker That Money podcast, the podcast where we talk about turning your hobby into your jobby. I am your host, Pooch of Repcord. With me, as always, my number two, my compatriot, <laughs> my my rock, my everything, Mr. Andrew Mayhall <laughs> of 3D Gloop. Good morning, Andrew. How are you today? Good morning, Pooch. I'm doing great. How are you? Oh, it's so good to be back. I miss being in the chair and it's been uh, a minute. miss seeing all of our familiar faces in the chat. Shout out to Liz and Grant from 3D Musketeers and K2 Kevin. Good to see you. Hutchman yep. Makerspace. Awesome to see some familiar faces. If you are tuning in for the first time, uh, we record this live just about every Friday, 9 a.m. Pacific time. Uh, this podcast, we are starting season two. We've uh, officially are returning from our summer break. I hope everybody had a good summer and it's back to school time, right? Uh, my kids just went back to school. And, uh, for those of you that have kids, maybe you're just getting back in the swing of things as well. So, uh, you know, welcome back to the school year. Uh, we got a lot of exciting stuff coming up for this season and things to talk about, but I thought today we'd get back to our roots, do a little bit of an update in terms of like all the exciting stuff that happened over the summer. We had a couple cool events that we went to that we need oh, to talk man. about, <laughs> um, business happenings. Uh, but again, what we like to talk about, we are very passionate about, uh, being makers being entrepreneurs mm -hmm. and the intersection of those two things. So we talk about what it takes, the realities of, of what it is uh, to take your, your passion, your hobby, and really try to make a go of it, right? Mm -hmm. um, so uh, show of hands in the audience, if you have started trying to make money in the audience, I say, in the chat right now. Uh, great way to engage with us. We also have our call-in line. Uh, if if uh, people are brave enough to uh, get on. Get in the hot seat. Get on the hot seat and, and be vocal and ask questions. But we love conversation about maker entrepreneurship. But show of hands, have you started a venture from your hobby? Tell me if you are, or maybe you already have, or you have been for years. So say... I've been at it for this many years, or I've got an Etsy store, or I'm thinking about doing it. We want to hear about what you're doing. Um, if you're jumping in on season two, uh, we did something like 60-something episodes of season one. Yep. And season one was kind of um, – it was more than a year worth of content. We didn't really kind of do the summer break, and it was a, an interesting mashup. But this seems like a good way to go about it, I think, mm -hmm. having a on-season, and then we take a little summer break. Uh, yeah, which which is it's always good to good. recharge to and you know recharge. kind of yeah put our heads down and get to work on some of the things that uh, <laughs> we're slipping. <laughs> right. Um, interestingly enough, in my business, and I don't know how you you know you can see speak to yours, uh, but mm -hmm. seasonally, uh, summers are always our slow time. Right. Yes. And so mm -hmm. inherently people might think, well, that's that seems like a better time to be doing passion projects and talking, you know, podcasts and stuff like that. But for us, um, I really had to put the nose to the grindstone because it's like, you know, we're we're fighting for dollars here. Uh, and mm, so I had yeah. to be a bit more focused in the business and kind of some strategy stuff. And so it was good for me to kind of get a get a new plan in place. Um, what do you Great. see? How seasonally affected are you guys? Yeah. So, you I know, do. I think, yeah, I think anything, you know, in the kind of maker hobbyist space, um, you know, there are seasonal, uh, you know, times 
if you will. Uh, we definitely see a decrease in order volume and revenue, uh, you know, some other KPIs, you know, they typically fall a little bit lower uh, in the summer months. Just we we kind of attested to people out doing things, enjoying their summer. Yeah. Uh, kids are out of school, people taking vacations, dollars are going towards activities instead of projects, um, yeah. you know, in, in kind of this space. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. that's... Yeah. <laughs> and, and I think it's it's good to have an awareness of your customer base mm -hmm. and oh, your absolutely. industry. And um, you know, one of my suppliers is a is a lumber supplier and they're they're the opposite. They are gangbusters mm -hmm. uh in the summer because they're tied very closely to the building industry, right? Yeah, and I was so gonna say like, that makes a lot of sense. So that's when know. they're building and all that stuff, but then in you know in the winter and stuff they're lean, so they're looking for for um you know, different opportunities. And what's kind of cool about that is when you start to, you know, plan around these things, like you can mm -hmm. realize like there's more opportunities to be had. There's better deals to be had. If you are looking mm -hmm. at your vendors perhaps and saying like, what's their seasonal effect and, and how eager are they for this business? Right. It's all supply and demand. Oh, absolutely. At the end mm -hmm. of the day. And so it's like, it's a lot easier for me to get concessions in the slow times from vendors and stuff than it is when they're, you know, everybody's banging down their door. Um, mm -hmm. or, or, you know, good excuse to make sure you, you know, negotiate some blanket order stuff where you can like hedge across, you know, yep. seasons and, and, and get supply up and down. So there's, there's some interesting strategy that's tied to seasonal demand of stuff too. That oh, could yes. be its own episode as we always like to say. <laughs> um, yes. But, Absolutely. I know I know that uh, some of the things we're, we're getting ready to hit that busy season, uh, especially in this hobbyist and, and maker space, uh, like, you know, the in, in, towards the end of the year, oh, it, yeah. you know, things just start going crazy, uh, especially right around the holidays. Absolutely. So, I was looking I don't know if you've read read up on your stats lately, but I was looking at something like our revenue for the year is so Q4 weighted. Uh, yeah. I want to say that something like 50% of our revenue is coming from oh, Q4 wow. uh, or that's... has has historically. I haven't done it for the last year yet. But again, you know, having the, uh, you know, the sense of timing around stuff is important. And, yeah. and planning, planning for that, right? Like we know a busy retail. So if you're tied to hobbies and mm -hmm. retail and stuff like that, you're going to see a lot more demand mm -hmm. in the, uh, the, the high holidays of purchasing. Yeah. Yeah. We, you know, it's interesting for us. We see a lot of, um, a pretty good spread. Um, I'd say, I'd say, you know, Q2 things start going down middle of, you know, beginning of Q3 things are kind of at the lowest and then going into Q4, you know, that's where things really pick up. So, you know, it's, it's pretty spread out. Uh, you know, I was just taking a look at our analytics here real quick, but yeah, you know, it, it Fifty percent in the in Q four. That's uh, that's impressive. <laughs> it's <laughs> that, not. That, well, I don't know. I mean, it, 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 I would rather it was spread a little bit more evenly because it's been mm -hmm. really challenging for us when we go feast or famine uh, with sure. stuff. Yeah. So, so you know, and we can go into that in a little bit. Uh, but you know trying to find a way to hedge and, you know, not be as, mm -hmm. as tethered to one specific revenue stream is obviously uh, critical. 
But mm-hmm. li- before we get to that, uh, we have a tradition on the pod where oh, yeah. we do wins of the week because we are positive individuals and we talk about uh, things that that are good in our lives. And and uh, this is the time in the chat where everybody needs to uh, share something awesome that's happening. It can be in your personal life. It can be it can be basic. You know, you made the best cup of coffee this morning and you were just super happy about it. Or you know, you you signed a contract or did a big business deal. Andrew, I know you've got a lot of wins queued oh up God. from the summer, so give me one <laughs> of them at least. Uh, give you one of them? Uh, I mean, you know, let's just say uh, I I'm really looking forward. Here's it's kind of a future win. We've put a lot of work into getting to where we were uh, over the over the past couple of months, and uh, I, I'm so excited that all of it came together in just the right time to you know go to a couple of these shows and have a fantastic event um and i I think really looking forward i i I laid a lot of groundwork for myself for the next shows and the next events and you know just being able to build upon that yeah um you know so i feel like that's a win kind of just a just a general you know feeling good about where i am now (laughs) right right um I'm going to say this, let's see, I'm going to take my win for the week. Um, uh, Let's just go with, uh, um, uh, I'm excited uh, for some events that are coming up. Uh, I finally booked uh, and and got a plan together to get to Earth. Um, Nice. That was more of a challenge than I was thinking. We are not having a booth this year, unfortunately. You'll notice we're missing from the final sponsor list unfortunately just based on budget and all that stuff but uh yeah. the the team was very supportive uh, of us in that and i'm just excited to to be out and be with my people at the end of the month so if you're not familiar with what earth is that's the east coast rep rap festival so all be things awesome. 3d printing which we love uh and that's in bel air maryland if you are in the <clears throat> greater washington <clears throat> maryland baltimore metro uh mm-hmm. well worth the little pilgrimage out to the uh aberdeen proving grounds arena <coughs> where it's mm-hmm. held and uh check out the latest and greatest in 3d printing and making and a lot of the people in the chat i'm sure we'll see uh there let us know if you're going to earth in the chat maple leaf makers good morning good to see you uh ethan coulter is here winslow joy we don't get to see you i saw him at earth last year i hope we'll see you again this uh this coming one uh, he, he had something exciting looks like his xl his proof xl <laughs> shipped yesterday yes we're, we're finally seeing the backlog of a lot of those prusa orders coming mm-hmm. in and uh you know given the challenges that we've seen with manufacturing a box oh, yes. Um, I do mm-hmm. not envy the massive, massive challenge mm-hmm. around manufacturing a machine as uh, beautiful and uh, complicated as the, the Prusa mm-hmm. XL. Uh, I've been lucky enough to be on the beta team for quite a while, and I've seen even in the shipping versions, like they are still like issuing yes. rev changes and stuff like that, which is actually typical for the way a company like Prusa operates. Um, they are very committed to the idea of continuous improvement. They move fast. They break things. They improve on it all the time. And that that's where a lot of the value is. I think it's they've taken a lot of fire and frustration um, mm-hmm. because it, a lot of people are like, well, this is incomplete, you know, or, or yeah. it's missing features and stuff like that. But if you look at it in terms of like their track record, 
to improve mm-hmm. and deliver. And, you know, I like to say, like, they're still issuing firmware updates for the Mark II, and they're on the Mark IV, yeah. you know, level platform. Um, you know it. They're, they're going to get there. Uh, it's just mm-hmm. being an early adopter and and being part of a, an ecosystem where they are are very much iterating and sometimes maybe using – you know, actual customers more as you don't want to say using them <laughs> as testers, but you know, r- realizing that even with they're the following of- a lean startup model. Yes, and where yeah. it, it, exactly? I mean, sometimes you have to, you know, use some customers as guinea pigs. Unfortunately, where you're testing something to make sure it's going to work. Right. <laughs> right. You know. Right. So otherwise, you're just going to keep delaying the timeline, and then no one's happy. So, right. Like at some point, you know, you gotta, you gotta pull the trigger and you gotta ship. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you what, like I said, I've been on the beta team for XL for a while and, um, they are very committed to having a robust testing program. And even with all of that, there's just stuff that just gets missed that you just Mm -hmm. use cases and, you know, maybe part of the challenge and something to think about, um, when you look at the people that they're like reaching out to, to do beta, mm-hmm. um, they are of a certain caliber. And, and I understand because you, you need commitment and understanding and like a base level, like you can't just get a complete noob in the door to do it all the, you know, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. but when you don't, Sometimes, when you don't yeah. have that individual, you miss yeah. the things that we just assume are obvious or intuitive. Mm-hmm. right yeah so finding yeah. that balance of skill set is uh mm-hmm. is probably pretty important because yeah let's be honest man like this this type of platform is not it's still not a beginner it's not an appliance grade thing like there, mm-hmm. there is a lot of a lot of variables to control a lot of things to tinker with play with you have yep. an excel right you got one yes uh, yeah, I got one. I was uh, one of the first ones to get it. I got it uh, back in May, like early, early May. Yeah. Um, and uh, actually, I had to send that one back because there were some issues with it, unfortunately. Um, I've got another one. <laughs> it, it, it happens. And, well, did they fix yeah, it? They fixed it. it. They fixed it. Good. They fixed it. You know, but uh, I actually experienced some issues where, you know, the testing team, I, I reached out to support. They had no idea. Uh, of these yeah. issues and like had long conversations back and forth and um you know hopefully help them out for troubleshooting in the future but uh, uh there's something to be said for getting out you know getting the hardware out to you know standard yeah. average users what, um what by the way like uh, what timeline did that like how long did it take them to replace it and like because we're took on the bleeding edge bit. with xl right? yeah it took them a little bit i, I didn't get my replacement until um early july i believe and when, um, when did you get the first one the first one i got was early may so it took them you know uh, it took them about two months give or take oh really to get it all now is yeah, that because there was some back and forth on diagnosis there was some back and forth and you were also waiting. we were traveling for a lot of that too so we I don't were know. yeah okay so yeah, it was we it wasn't traveling. like they're like oh hold on and then it took them two months to ship one then exactly no okay, they okay. were they were in constant communication it wasn't okay, like a black okay. hole and then two months later it's like oh hey here it is uh you know i think it was probably closer to like six maybe seven weeks so about maybe a month and a half give or take okay but, um yeah it was uh it was good i mean now unfortunately i mean I, you know there was still some issues with the replacement one but yeah <laughs> you know prusa prusa is fantastic at support so yeah um you know 
I, I, the, the one that I've got now, I, I love it. <laughs> good, 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 so. good. Well, again, I think, you know, people don't, it, it's tough because humans are an impatient lot in general. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's like, we want it, we want it now and stuff like that. But again, yes. when I look at the value of a, like an established brand like this, and I know that they're committed to like making it right eventually. And sometimes it just takes a lot longer than we expect, mm -hmm. uh, especially the more complicated a product becomes. Um, yeah. So, you know, hopefully we look back at this, you know, a year from now and be like, Oh, remember. And, and the ecosystem is just going to be like next level. Right. It's like the, they're constantly yeah. like the firmware is improving the speed of the machines or the reliability of the machines improving. Yeah. You have a path cause you just got the single head, but it's like, you've got a path mm -hmm. now to just, if you want to add a second or a third or a fourth. Oh, or fifth, that was always the plan. Right. So it's I, an expandable yeah, I was platform. Get the, yeah. I was going to get the small or the, the, the early one. So I get it in, I can get, you know, some testing under my belt and then, after all of the five tool heads ship and the the upgrade kits could become available, I was going to jump right in line and get those. Right. <laughs> you know, and, and honestly, I think there's some merit to sometimes waiting and like letting other people go mm -hmm. through the pains of like that particular yep. part of it too. Cause yep. there, there's, there's literally like independent teams working on different sites, you know, something like a oh, platform. Yeah. Cause this like something like that, it goes beyond just like a machine to like this, like larger ecosystem where there's like focus on just the, uh, extruder mm -hmm. heads. Right. And they're, yep. they're, they share a lot of similarities with the Mark four, but they're not completely the same. And the tool changing yeah. version is different than the fixed head version. Well, it's it's yeah. like an auto manufacturing. You have teams that work on the engine team that work on the brake and the transmission. And these are independent teams. And then eventually they all come together to build the, the, the completed, you know, automobile. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's too complex for one person to do everything. So sure. You know, I, I think <laughs> it it's interesting. We're, we're, we're going down a bit of a rabbit hole, but I do think it's interesting to talk about larger companies that are like a little further mm -hmm. down the road than like we are as small business oh, owners. Yes. Right. And think about the challenges that we might face, you know, five, 10 years from now, because, you know, Bruce mm -hmm. has been around from the jump of the rep rap, you know, movements, mm -hmm. what, 2009? 12 years, 13 yeah, years yeah, now, yeah, something yeah, like yeah. that. Well, Maybe they, they had their they had their 10-year anniversary edition, you know, last year. So I think they're, I think oh, was it last year? I thought it was I thought it was 21, but well, maybe that's when the printer got released. I don't know, but they're yeah, they're pushing twelve <laughs> dozen years or something yeah. like that. Which you know, in our in our space, I mean, three D printing has been around a lot longer, but since the patents opened up and like oh yeah, the hobbyist rep rap maker movement. Well, you know, there were you know, there were OGs. Yeah, I mean, you know, you, you said something about how it is kind of interesting to talk about these larger companies because, you know, for instance, you know, you know we're still kind of a two man shop over here. Um, and, you know, that means I touch every facet of the business, every single thing, yeah. you know, I have some sort of control and touch and, you know, say over, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, we're growing at a stupid rate and literally, you know, a, a, probably by, you know, early next year, there are going to be pieces where I might know what's going on, yeah. but I am not touching them anymore. Like they, they're completely handed off. Um, you know, and it, as, as things continue to grow, you know, it, you, you now have to figure out how you manage people and how we, the organization as a whole moves forward. Uh, you know, thankfully for us, we have a fairly simple product. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, there's still processes that we have to do. And it's so like, that's been one of my big, um, you know, kind of you know, pieces I've been working on over the summer break here is figuring out and nailing down processes and coming up with procedures yeah. for how eventually I hand over operations. Yeah. So, 
Do, and and as somebody that's like walked that road and and had many challenges with it, right? Because it's like mm-hmm. you know, like you started solo, and mm-hmm. then you know, being able to let go of some of that stuff, mm-hmm. where even when I know that I need to, is is a challenge. Some stuff I'm more than happy to let go of, right? Like, and, <laughs> and I, I still can't let go of some things. Mm-hmm. Um, but but my gosh. Uh, you 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 pivot away from being. I mean, it's the it's the common saying, right? It's like you, you want to move mm-hmm. toward working on the business, not in the business. Yeah. Right. Uh, because eventually we all want to be able to retire, and you need to be able to like structure something that allows you to divest your time or trade time for you know what you've built in terms of you know passive income. Mm-hmm. Um. But that's a long road, and a lot of people never get there, right? Uh, how many people die mm-hmm. in their business? I wonder, <laughs> under the weight of it. Oh, jeez, uh, that's a bit morbid, yeah. but you, you get the idea. Um, but uh, let's pin that for a second. That's an interesting uh, subject of of discussion, mm-hmm. and 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 we have an interesting du- juxtaposition to get into. Uh, one of the things uh, I am alluding to in our title. You're going through explosive growth. I've had to mm-hmm. deal with the challenges of contraction, uh, and mm-hmm. so we're gonna we're gonna. That's kind of the theme of today's episode. We're gonna talk about that in a second. But before we do that, I want to do some uh, finish our summer updates and talk about some of the events that we went to uh, yes. over the summer, and maybe mm-hmm. the business value that we saw, what worked, what didn't work. What do you mm-hmm. got? Where do, where did we go? Because we were at a couple different things. Yes. Yes. So, um, I actually, we, we pulled out of earth, um, or I'm sorry, not earth, Murph. Murph. Um, That's yeah. Murph. The... Uh, Hey, oh, I'm sorry. Pause. Hey. Joe, yeah. thank you. Very generous. <laughs> thank you. Project red for jumping in and, and the $20 donation to support what we do here. We appreciate you, my friend. Awesome. I hope thank we'll you. see you at the end of the month at earth. Uh, you mm-hmm. were saying you jumped off of, of, uh, Murph. Yeah. We, yeah, I didn't, so we, we didn't attend it either. Yeah. Yeah, so we we pulled out of uh, out of Murph uh, because we had an opportunity come up, kind of last minute, uh, to go and attend uh, an event down at West Coast, uh, San Francisco. Uh, since it's happened now, probably most have heard now open sauce. Um, oh, so three D glue was sauce. yeah. A three D glue was a was a, a sponsor of the event. So yeah, you, um, you know that was uh, that an was inaugural a really sponsor. Cool Yes, it was a really cool hedgehog. Um, you know, you for a buck fifty, buddy. Thank you. I keep interrupting. Yeah, was... Well, people keep throwing money at us, and so hey. I got I got to credit them. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it was a really it was a really cool opportunity, um, and uh, we got to do a couple of really cool spectacles. Uh, we introduced uh, our giant industrial robot arm, uh, Jeff, uh, for the first time. He's uh, he's a lot of fun. Um, and uh, you know, it was a, it was kind of a funny, you know, sort of story to, to, to come up with that. But uh, I'll save that for another time. Um, you guys and, need to uh, go look up Jeff if you haven't had a chance to see. There was some good. Joel did a good video on it. J E P H F is the spelling. Yep. My name is Jeff, and yes. uh, that was a fun little spectacle that we put together. Uh, Andrew's brainchild, and it's a giant <laughs> industrial fanic robot that did tug of war. So go check yep. check out uh, search for what are we searching for open sauce man versus yeah, machine robots something like that it's on Joel's channel if you want to go thumb yeah it's on that. Joel's channel just go to Joel's channel like everyone knows Joel <laughs> just go to his channel you'll find that's it. that's three D um, printing nerd for anybody listening back after the fact 
it's uh it's a it's a it was a fun spectacle um I, you know there were some things that we learned uh you know we it was a very condensed timeline i think when we got the when we got the go ahead and everything else it was like nine weeks so from from nothing to completed program robot playing tug of war and all of the legal hoops and insurance oh and all sorts of stuff that we had to jump through uh, happened in nine weeks. Um, and I got to be honest, uh, I, I helped out with the organization around this, although Andrew did the bulk of it. But when he first pitched this idea to me, I was like, well, I love it, but there's no way this is going to happen. Like, it's just too potentially dangerous. I mean, these machines, first of all, this is like, I'm not talking about these little tiny little arm robots that we see just for testing. Five, this thing weighs 5,000 pounds. 5,000 pounds, together. industrial robot for like hoisting engine blocks around. Like, it could literally fling an engine block across the room. It'll kill you and not think twice smash yeah. you into the ground like whatever right yeah uh so massive safety considerations uh uh just the getting power to it just being able to mm -hmm. transport it i mean you mm -hmm. had to buy a a truck we had to buy a truck with a yes. lift gate it broke the lift yep. gate you know all those yeah. things all those things yeah. Uh, when thank you oh, so much come on, guys everybody I'm just, <laughs> my heart is full right now um you guys, I, you know, we have not, we have intentionally not made a point of like trying to solicit, mm -hmm. uh, support, but it does mean a lot to us to know that there are other people that are out there that are passionate about this mm -hmm. content and appreciate it. Um, and, and help support us bringing it to you because it's, it's just a passion project for the both of us right yep. now. And to be able to take time out of our you know businesses and our day to do this, um, is costly. And so we appreciate you guys letting us, uh, uh, continue to bring this kind of thing to you. And, uh, thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Mm -hmm. to all yes. The, thank all you the so donors. much. And even if you're just here and participating in the chat that we love you for that as well too. So yes, <laughs> thank you to everybody that could be here. Uh, so that was Jeff. So that was open sauce. Now that mm -hmm. let me, I'll, I'll just give my, my take on open sauce. Really interesting event. This was the first year mm -hmm. they had it at Pier 35 in San Francisco. Uh, as an attendee, as a location, really cool space. Okay, oh, so this awesome. is like a, this is like a, a pier, like an old converted pier. It was like a very open, um, massive space, you know, just concrete floors, like long galley, mm -hmm. like out over the water. Um, and as a location, I think San Francisco is is a great choice, right? You just got, you got Bay Area nearby. It was reasonably accessible, you know, from mm -hmm. internationally, uh, all sorts of stuff. Uh, William Osman was the the key organizer uh, around it, and a lot of it, frankly, was probably his excuse to just have a party with with a lot of his content <laughs> creator buddies, which I can appreciate, right? Because there was an element of like VidCon. Uh, mm -hmm. where, you know, a lot of the creators are getting together and, and networking and doing that and doing yep. panels. They, they had some interesting monetization of, I don't, I don't know if that's a fair way to say it, but you know, I think they did a pretty good job of recognizing the value of the creators that they brought in and there were mm -hmm. VIP tickets. They were very expensive. I know a lot of people bitched and moaned about it, but, um, you know, it's not every day you get to bring in high caliber Mark Rober, Strange Parts, you know, mm -hmm. um, uh, uh, Alan Pan, Backyard Scientist, yeah. like some top, top, top tier creators. Um, and so, you know, those that paid for it had access to private panels and discussions and meet and greets and events and all that stuff. 
and as a sponsor, we had access to some of that. Uh, and I say we, mm-hmm. like 3D Gloop, and and uh, mm-hmm. uh, you guys employed me basically to contract uh, and, yeah. and help with the activation around uh, some of that. And I, I yeah. appreciated you guys for involving me with that. I think that was a really neat thing. It was also a really great experience to engage a kind of a different crowd than we were used to seeing. Oh, it's completely different, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so definitely a lot of maker overlap, but there was definitely like content creators and just average like tech people, um, yep. all walks of life. Uh, I think yep. Gloop got some pretty good exposure. There were, I, it's, it's so funny mm-hmm. having been in, you know, a shared space with you for a long time, like to see the number of people come up and go, what is Gloop? And I'm like, oh mm-hmm. yeah, that's right. Like, these people don't even know what this is. Yeah. Right. We're not yeah. in our normal uh, group of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, it was a, it was a fantastic event and I'm excited. I know there are already talks for next year and, uh, you know, as a, as a sponsor, we've already gotten some communication back from them as well. Um, so look forward to us putting on helping put on, um, you know, doing our part as sponsoring the event, uh, in 2024. So it's, uh, it's going to be exciting to say the least. <laughs> um, so wh- how would you, as a, as a business, as a small business, mm-hmm. especially right oh, now yes. that the, the mm-hmm. I don't know, you don't, I'm not going to put you too much on the spot, but when you're looking sure. at your ROI in terms of mm-hmm. like the, the sponsorship fees that you paid and then mm-hmm. all of the money that you spent for Jeff oh, and yeah. the activation and the booth space, mm-hmm. that was a that was a good, that was more than you'd spent on any so, other marketing endeavor by far, right? It was more money than we had probably made in the first like year of our existence. Let's put it that way. Wow. When it's all said and done, we, I cannot believe when I saw the dollar figure, how much money we actually spent being a bootstrapped business yeah. coming up from quite literally nothing. Yeah. Um, you know, it, you go through making your first dollar to making your first hundred to thousand, eventually a hundred thousand. The amount of money that we put into this, um, you know, was, you know, it was crazy. I'm not trying to brag here. It was just like, it's it, it, as a small business, it kind of hurt to say like, we could have taken that money and done it other things. But the way that I see it was, this was an opportunity to get in on the ground floor of an event that I felt it, it, you know, had a lot of potential. Also, at the same time, it, it's a long game. Like this is chess moves that we are playing Absolutely. six, eight moves ahead. Uh, you know, we can't be thinking about the pieces that we've got. You know, where they are right now. We've got to be thinking where you know things are going to end up after there's some play that's happening. And so that's really what this was about. Right. Um, in terms of uh, effectiveness, uh, you know, it was it was a huge sunk cost. Um, but it, what it did was it got us out to a whole new market. It got so many new connections to some top level influencers. Uh, you know, we got a network and, you know, just mingle with them. Uh, we came back with a few new friends, uh, you know, just a good, a good, honest time. Like it was just, it was fantastic. So in the future, as we continue to grow, that number is going to, you know, it, it's going to go up like the amount of money that we're gonna have to spend for sponsoring and other things like that. But in the scheme of things, it's becoming smaller and smaller and smaller portions of the revenue that we're bringing in. Um, Right. So, and and first of all, let me just say, I got a shout out to William and and his team. They made massive mm -hmm. concessions 
for massive year year one sponsors like smoking mm-hmm. deal as as if to for it, it was a ton of money for you to spend as a small business but mm-hmm. in the scope of like what an event like this would cost a business to be part of mm-hmm. like they yeah. did ma- they made massive concessions and part of that and if was if it wasn't for them yeah. yeah i was going to say if it wasn't for them willing to make those concessions we wouldn't have been able to do wouldn't it. have been able to there's do just it. no way yeah. Mm-hmm. So exactly. I think there's something actually that's really like endearing about that. Uh, and, and I hope, um, you know, in talking to them and, and moving forward, and we've talked about this in the past too, but, but, um, you know, having, I, I would say like, uh, uh, some concessions for small business or like maybe do a sliding scale for people that are up and coming or some reciprocity. Mm-hmm. So I think part of the value that, that you brought was some spectacle, right? Uh, yep. that Jeff was totally on brand and they, you got them excited. They were willing to come down on what it, they were going to charge you for sponsorship because you were showing up with something that was totally yep. on brand, you know, this, this, mm-hmm. uh, man versus machine tug of war thing. And yet, while it didn't go exactly the way that we had hoped, mm-hmm. we learned a lot of yeah. things. Um, mm-hmm. and I think it was a win-win when you look at, again, you're doing networking, relationship building, uh, you're getting access to a, a, a group, a, a, an audience that you wouldn't otherwise have that's new. You're bringing new people into the fold, which is fantastic. Uh, mm-hmm. So like a lot of really great things happen. But like you said, you have to have faith that like this is long-term branding spend. Yes. Right? And unfortunately, mm-hmm. when you're a small business, like you don't tend to have funds – to mm-hmm. to spend on branding plays in the same way, mm-hmm. right? Because every dollar counts. Um, yes. And you're constantly doing that that calculus of mm-hmm. opportunity cost. When yep. um, if I'm spending ten thousand dollars here, that's ten thousand dollars I do not have to do X, Y, and Z, which I desperately also need to do. Mm-hmm. So thinking outside of the box, reminding yourself that whenever you're pitching anything in business, mm-hmm. I would just say like, there needs to be mutually beneficial things. And so when you start getting outside the box, I'm like, okay, well, if we can't come with all the cash that you want, like if, if open sauce was getting all the cash that they wanted for that sponsorship, we're probably talking what 25, 30 K 40 K upwards, you know, for, mm-hmm. for primo title sponsorship mm-hmm. on the homepage, you know, yep. banners up and everything the way that they, I mean, yep. they pulled out all the stops. It was a, an amazing value in terms of, of that. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. but that's a, so much money as a small business, mm-hmm. right? That you, we just, most people don't even have the luxury of coming up with. So what I'm getting mm-hmm. at is you got to be thinking about the win-win. Well, what I can't come up with all that cash, but maybe I can bring value in terms of like things people are going to get excited about that they can market. Like we're going to mm-hmm. have this exhibit and all that stuff. And I would have, if I'm being honest, I, I think it would have been nice if there was a little bit more visibility or utilization of that. But again, with the fog of mm-hmm. war and the chaos of the first year and like uncertainty about whether or not we could even do there, it, if it was going to pass Yeah, there inspection. were so many, so many things to jump through. So many like last minute gotchas that we oh had to figure God, out how to put yeah, them out. Yeah. It, like it was, it was, I mean, I'm happy how the event came out and, and everything else. And I'm looking forward to the next event, which, you know, here for us is going to be earth and Jeff is going to show up at earth. Uh, you know, he's, he's not, you know, he's, it's, 
it was an investment for us, you know? So a lot of this cost also went into, yes, purchasing Jeff, purchasing the truck, purchasing the stuff to get, you know, us to these events. So again, it was more of a calculated play. Yeah. Um, so, you know, yeah, it, it, I'm excited, really looking forward to the future, um, you know, because we've laid a lot of really awesome groundwork. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and, that, and that's true. And that hopefully that proves to be a worthwhile investment mm -hmm. because it's something that's memorable. So I always say like spectacle is a fantastic value from marketing standpoint, because these are the things that people remember when they go to this yes. event and they're like, remember that tug of war thing? Like they're not going to remember all the booths mm -hmm. they walked around to and stuff like that. And there's, I think there's ways to put on uh, entertainment uh, uh, that, mm -hmm. that are not nearly as costly. Um, but, but, if, if you're thinking about little takeaway nuggets for your business or something you have in the future, like think about like what's going to make people remember you. Cause I say, I've said a number of podcasts over and over, like you don't have a sales problem. You have an awareness problem. And one of the best things you can do to combat awareness is being remembered for things. Right. And, yep. and having people tell, you know, do your advertising for you. Like, Oh my gosh, I went to this event and we did this tug of war against this robot. And, and then people are like, wait, mm -hmm. what? what was that? And all that stuff. And, and, yeah. you know, think about the permanence of seeing like your brand stenciled across the edge of, uh, of Jeff and how much mm -hmm. more visible that is than just like the banner blindness that we all see with all the, you know, promo ads posted everywhere and stuff <laughs> like that. So, yeah. so anyway, kudos to you for making that happen. I mean, you guys listen, like, what was it a week, maybe two weeks ahead? They were gonna, they were like, they were like, we can't do the robot. It was, it was like, like after weeks. it was all, yeah. you know, the, it was purchased, yeah. the programming was on, the, the truck money was, was on, spent. Yeah. Like, it, we, yeah. we were freaking out, right? And we're like, okay, yep. what's the problem? Let's work the problem. <laughs> Let's figure it out. It was an issue, yeah. you know, the, yeah. it was an issue with, you know, the fire marshal and things being approved or potentially being too tall or any of this stuff. And at the end of the day, like, we figured out a way to like get it done. And it was, yep. But man, was that stressful. <laughs> yes. <laughs> to say the least. Right, so, right, right, right. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. that was just one event. Uh, the other two, well, we can gloss over the other ones. We did a, a, a trip after that. We road tripped mm -hmm. up to uh, the Protopasta event with Joel yep. and for Amy's uh, charity, uh, the, uh, the STEM, the Women in STEM mm -hmm. charity uh, 3D printer giveaway. Uh, let's see, RepCord contributed like, I think 12 or 14 machines for that. And I realized I like left two behind that I wanted to. So we'll have to save that for the next one. Uh, that was an awesome time. Uh, Alex yeah, hosted us, cool which we were really appreciative of and uh, met another group mm -hmm. there. We did a little filament making thing, which is always mm -hmm. fun to get to protopasta. So if you're up in the Pacific Northwest and want to support an awesome group of people, uh, protopasta is right there and they've got a fantastic proto plant where they make all that fresh, mm -hmm. fresh plasticky for the three printings. Uh, and then let's see, what, did you have any other events after that? I pushed nope, on that, to LTX after that. You went that to was, LTX. That was yep. the Linus tech expo, uh, which was awesome. Um, I was a rep for Prusa there and we showed off the Excel and uh, some new stuff. And that was really cool too, because again, that engaged a whole nother crowd that um, I didn't get to interact with normally, right? Like these are these are tech people. So there's like, when you look mm -hmm. at the Venn diagram of people that are into tech and people that are into 3D printing, like definitely yeah. clear overlap. Um, mm -hmm. 
but still a lot of people that are like, you know, they're just kind of waiting in the wings. We're like, I don't know if I have an application for 3D printing, but then they get and see that like that booth space. First of all, they, they allocated just like a tiny little thing for like all the 3D, 3D printing companies. So Prusa was there, Hedamami was there, uh, Pantheon, mm-hmm. Bamboo, and uh, uh, 3D Print Canada all shared this little like 20 by 20 space. And it was packed the entire mm-hmm. time, right? And so... Yep. You know, uh, shout out Colton and, and his team that organized. They're like, yeah, we're going to allocate more because it was a good uh, different thing for them to show off than just the normal like uh, here's some you know computers and video cards and WAN stuff. And, you know, the things that Linus is known for. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's always cool to see like kind of crowds overlap and, and ideas forming like for people that are like in business and they're like, oh, you know, what would be cool if we started 3D printing some of these like, you know, custom uh, case mods or, you know, when, mm, when you start to see these yeah. like cool application overlaps and people like the light bulb goes off in terms of opportunity yeah. for leveraging the tool set for business in a different way. So I think there's a ton of cool opportunity in there. Oh yes. Absolutely. And I know you were considering going up there, but that probably would have been a bit much with the timing of it all. And, but maybe a, a possibility mm-hmm. for the future. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. There are a lot of things like as, as 3d gloop continues to grow, uh, you know, we're constantly looking at what the next, you know, sort of thing looks like on the horizon for us. And uh, attending these trade shows and events are a, a huge, like a huge mover for getting our brand out there, getting awareness. Um, and it's the reason why we exist. Had we not gone to Earth back in uh, 2018, we wouldn't be here. Right. Um, right. You, you know, so. It, it will always be part of our DNA. Uh, so right. absolutely really looking forward to the next events. Uh, maybe one day you'll see us in a rapid, uh, you know, showing yeah. up industrial pieces. <laughs> I don't doubt it in the, in the least, um, you know, I am a massive advocate of, of attending events. Uh, if you're mm-hmm. getting into the space and, and, and the sooner you can to get your brand out there and just to network and interact. I mean, I mean, what I'm an advocate for is actually like networking and FaceTime mm-hmm. with people, um, mm-hmm. which frankly is becoming a lost art in the virtual world that we live in. Uh, but oh, it's, absolutely. It, it's, it, you know, again, applies a, an object permanence to, to things when it's like, no, I, I had a conversation with Andrew, with Pooch, whatever, and that that mm-hmm. is way more powerful than like the live streams and trying to interact with people virtually, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Actually, on that note, uh, you you got an opportunity to meet up with uh with Loyal Moses while you were up in. Uh, oh yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think you you were saying you had some interesting conversations around that because I know he's got a. A, you know, he does a lot of mm-hmm. live streaming and is working on building three yeah. community stuff and, you, you know, know, all that and having discussions uh, around that. I'll, I'll say this, mm. we, you know, knowing someone online versus meeting them in person, it is, it is two completely different worlds. Um, you, you know, I, I mean, you can kind of get to know someone online and their presence and like who they might be. Uh, but when you get to meet them in person and get to see, the the 
the contextual pieces that many people don't see the body language the way yeah. they hold themselves the way they talk the way the they essence. phrase the words right it, exactly yeah. it's it's completely different and um you know it was a it was a pleasure it was honestly a real pleasure getting to meet you know loyal in person um it was really cool it was on on my way home um was able to swing on by and 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 chat with him loyal and uh, patrick actually made our safety helmets oh my god they did such an amazing job with that too yeah the safety Mm -hmm. helmets for the jeff uh tug of war expo that was Mm -hmm. so part of the memorable experience too right like alan pan had that pot helmet on which was just hilarious Mm -hmm. uh uh, and then a lot of the other creators um you know wearing mando helmets and the bunny helmet that loyal made and Mm -hmm. it's just so good and polymaker like sponsored a bunch of filament for it it was a Mm -hmm. really cool you know combination of a couple of awesome people that i I don't feel like we gave nearly enough like shout out we didn't because of the chaos of the whole thing but moving forward there's there's some new things that we're working on and hopefully we'll have some helmet contests and you know some new uh new like projects overall so i I think there'll be ways in which we can leverage that but uh getting back to the uh you know meeting people like going out to these events and meeting people in person there is just there's something to be said for it like really changing perspective and understandings of whether it's a product whether it's a service whether it's an individual just you know by themselves um you know it it was uh it was awesome i'm really looking forward to you know seeing more people come to these events um you know obviously i can't speak for everyone um but i want to see i want to see everyone start coming to these events because uh we're all we're all a big family (laughs) we are and uh, like i said these are like these are my people a lot of the time i am Mm -hmm. very i am a I'm going to, I'm going to share a little secret with you guys. I'm going to get in here close. Uh, I am a highly extroverted individual. Uh, and by that, I mean, like I derive massive amounts of energy from just interacting with, with people. Uh, and I know that comes as a surprise to a lot of you guys, but, uh, that is very true for me. And when I don't get enough of that, like, yes, I, it can be draining. It, t- it takes a lot of energy. The doom and gloom pooch. <laughs> uh, but but I do best when I am like out amongst my people, which is why I think I invest so much in in it, and that's like where where I seem to excel in in a lot of what mm-hmm. I do. Um, I know that uh, COVID times were tough for a lot of people, but they were also beneficial. I had a number of conversations with some awesome creators at at Open Source about this because a lot of them got their made their name in COVID times where they because they were introverted individuals where they thrived just being mm-hmm. forced to stay in and to, to develop and to hone their craft and to, to work on stuff. And a, a few of them surprised me too, because I think uh, a lot of class of what I would call like extroverted introverts like came out where mm-hmm. outwardly they present as very bombastic and energetic. And like, you would just expect that when you meet them in person, that they're just like larger than life, the way they are in their online persona. But they're mm-hmm. actually very shy and overwhelmed and timid and stuff like that because you're flexing completely different muscles when you're doing this stuff in front of a camera versus in person. Mm-hmm. And um, that was really interesting. I had a, lot, a number of good conversations. One of my favorite uh, meets uh, at Open Source was uh, Maddie XB, uh, Unnecessary Inventions. If you guys don't know who that is, or you need to check him out. He is hilarious. He's a very talented, like I would say, like comedy writer, uh, and his his um, intersection of, of education and entertainment, education is relative. I call it edutainment, right? Like the, 
the mixture of like I'm trying to be entertaining and silly <laughs> and he's developed product the the the, the shtick is like they're unnecessary like they're ridiculous right mm-hmm. but he's actually made sellable product and he's he's like got a data gold mine in terms of like he puts all these things out there he gets all this feedback and he's like you know that actually might be made worth making a mark zuckerberg bath mat because people just want that because it's silly um so how unnecessary it actually is is interesting but i think he found a really good shtick in that he was one of those individuals where he he comes across Larger than life, amazing, super energetic on camera, but he was, mm-hmm. he was actually a little bit more subdued. I think feeling a little bit more overwhelmed, and I got to talk to him about his process and and how he, you know he still does his own editing and and shoots his own stuff. And I think he he kind of likes it that way. He's got a fantastic studio space, really awesome, down to earth guy. Uh, I love everything mm-hmm. about him. I I support everything he does. I would watch anything and everything all the time from maddie so go check him out shout out to unnecessary inventions um let's give a couple more shout outs while we can to the chat uh, yeah. good to see some new people twenty twin twin twenty thirty experience i don't i don't know how to pronounce that G, uh gtech studio good to see you guys what yeah. up to you ryan how's it going ryan we'll see you ryan and uh the missus at uh earth this year maybe i don't know uh, Mike, oh, they'll be there. <laughs> Mike, never let the machines win. Uh, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm coming out of my shell very slowly, Mike. Uh, okay, let me. Um, it was a, it was an event packed summer. Yes, and we didn't even get to go to all of them. Um, I love that, and we're we've got some pretty key events up and coming for the fall. Uh, mm-hmm. Earth being a big one, uh, and then there's Form Next in Germany for any of our EU folks that might be on and listening, uh, mm-hmm. and and then the uh, Sanjay Memorial Rep Rap Festival, the first annual uh, one of those in the UK, which is also hopefully going to be pretty big coming up uh, in the Oxford area of the UK. So I'm excited for those events. Um, yeah, get to what you can, even if it's just the smaller mini maker fairs or whatever. Interact with people, get ideas, get your businesses out there. You know, mm-hmm. you know that's that's probably probably good on uh, PSAs for events. Um, yeah, i I'd, I'd like to take a moment if we can, and we've got like ten minutes left, so you know, talk. <laughs> we rambled. Uh, talk about yeah, it's kind of what we do. You know, little nuggets with some rabbit holing here and there, but hopefully it's fun and entertaining for you guys. Um, you know, so we mentioned like you're going through some, some pretty serious growth, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. You've gotten some great grants and supports from the city of St. Louis, uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, some, some entities out there, which is awesome to see. Um, and I mentioned earlier, like my mea culpa that my challenges is, uh, are, mm-hmm. uh, contraction. And if I'm being yeah. honest, you guys, uh, I am at an interesting crossroads at the point, this point with Repcord, um, where I, for the first time I, I had to do a layoff, which, uh, really affected me yeah. a lot more than I thought it would. I mean, it's part of the, comes with the territory when you have people, um, you know, when the money's not there, like you got to cut mm-hmm. everywhere you can and payroll is far and away my largest expense. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was really tough because I am a very, I felt I took that really hard because I felt like it was a failure of commitment toward, you know, some of the people that have been with me for years. This is uh, this is an individual that was 
helping me for mm-hmm. years now. Um, that that I, I you know I valued his his contributions uh, as, as as an employee and a friend uh, for a lot. And he was he made a ton of concessions to come on and work yeah. with me and to be able to not deliver um, in terms of like the opportunity to you know grow and mm-hmm. get paid what he was actually worth and all that stuff. Um, I was I was massively depressed about that for a while, if I'm being honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I think, um, part of my challenge is as a manager of people, um, I probably sometimes get too emotionally invested, you know? Um, and, yeah. and I think there's difference of opinions in terms of like, you know, how to operate, um, you know, from a business standpoint, it's just the reality of what it is. And these are tough decisions that you have to make sometimes and things that you have to do. Um, but as a human, uh, I you know, I probably get a little bit too close and too invested sometimes in that. Um, mm-hmm. And so that was that was tough. Uh, and and then uh, as a as a follow on to that, like two weeks ago, my last individual was left gave his notice, and so oh. now mm-hmm. Rep, at the moment, Repcord is down to a force of one again. Um, mm-hmm. Which uh, again, at first I was like, ah, oh, this feels like failure to some extent, but I stopped thinking about it. It was like, okay, well, I think there's, there's a vanity metric sometimes in the, in the idea of like how many employees Mm -hmm. that you have. Right. Sure. Mm -hmm. In the sense that like that gives people some sort of sense of like the size of your operation and to feel like I have nobody else now. Um, one, because of who I am and like just being alone in place, that's not good for me in terms of operating mm-hmm. in general, for, like mentally, you know, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But, um, two, you know, it feels like we're just moving in the wrong direction. And, um, you know, it's not to say that I can't hire more people and do all this other stuff, but it's, it's given me an interesting opportunity to kind of retreat back while sales are slower and all that stuff. And like, okay, well, what's the plan for the future? What were the, what are the learning opportunities here? Mm-hmm. Where do we go? Um, and why, why, why did it happen? Right. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not one to just kind of like rest on like the, the common thread that people say, like, well, you know, it's a challenge right now. You're everybody's contracting. The market's not as good. People's Mm -hmm. disposable income isn't as high as it once was economy inflation. Yeah. Europe, you know, all this stuff. We had a kind of, I don't want to say a perfect storm, but a lot of, a lot of, negative things mm-hmm. happened all at the same time. We lost some resellers in Europe. Um, you know, I was way too tied, you know, I had too much money tied up in some pretty big accounts that fell out, mm-hmm. a lot of fell out from under. I spent a lot of money investing in scaling manufacturing oper- uh, uh, opportunities, mm-hmm. buying equipment, uh, setting up process only to yep. find that we had way, way, way too much capacity and not nearly much enough demand. Manufacturing yep is so hard and it is, it is infinitely harder in California where <laughs> labor costs are incredibly high legal costs, insurance costs, all of it, everything, probably yeah. one of the most expensive places to operate a manufacturing yeah. thing, even a bespoke one like ours that was, tiny. Mm-hmm. you know, it's, 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 it's almost silly for me to call it manufacturing. I mean, it is manufacturing, but it just doesn't, it doesn't yeah. feel like, you know, we're, we're a kind of a job shop or whatever, but you know, well, when we did the calcs, like on our capacity, like we had the ability, I think to make, we, we scaled up to the ability to, to meet the demand of like a few hundred boxes a week, which, wow. um, mm-hmm. 
which in our heyday, in the golden era uh, of rep boxing, like was actually win- within reach uh, during peak yeah. season. Um, and we'll, you know, demand would, does pick up back up again, but it, it's become very clear as my cost of labor has increased, as my cost of materials is, is increased, like what I have, my product does not scale. And, mm-hmm. and the, the challenges around like, as your cost is your, it, my price has to go up because I can't mm-hmm. operate as a business, like I on at a loss. Right. Mm-hmm. I, duh. <laughs> That's the whole reason we're here. Um, and so having that come to Jesus moment around like, man, I don't mm-hmm. want to relinquish control of manufacturing. I don't want to potentially yeah. lose that quality and that, that closeness to the the product. Yeah. But it, if I can't compete, if I can't sell and I don't exist, that I, I, I can't win either. Right. Mm-hmm. We've talked about made in the USA before and all this stuff. Like I, I want to, you know, people talk a good game when it comes to like wanting to support local companies and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, the data is so tied to how price centric things are. The reason we were doing well at volume was like our prices were like 20 to 30% less what it is now, what it's had to become. Mm -hmm. And for the, for a given product of a specific thing, like there is a cap on what people are willing to spend because at some point your, your number of people that are willing to like, invest in something like a rep box versus just going and get a Tupperware and drilling holes in it, like gets less and less and less. Yep. And less. I know yep. that. I know that. Um, but, uh, we were going the wrong direction. Like if I can get mm-hmm. the cost of the, the box back down into like reasonable space again, mm-hmm. I suspect we'll see a dr- dramatic change, but I don't know, guys. I, uh, the, a lot of the challenges that I had around and a lot of the things, frankly, I don't do as well. Like I can do manufacturing process and all that stuff, but that's not my strength. Mm-hmm. Um, the decisions, the hard decisions I need to make in terms of like, well, maybe I offload some of these things that have been challenging, you know, like less worrying about employees setting lasers on fire and stuff. And then yeah. it pivots more toward a, a a cash intensivity of like having to order larger volumes of stuff, have it sell through it, reorder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Keep an eye on quality process. I mean, there's no guarantee other ways, but the product will be cheaper if I make it overseas. No doubt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you guys think? Tell me in the chat. What do you think? Like I am at an interesting crossroads. Like, I don't know. It's like, we've built a lot of brand reputation and space and all this stuff. Um, I don't want to just see it die on the vine. I love it. It's a passion Mm -hmm. of mine. Uh, I still think there's lots of opportunity there, but um, I don't have the opportunity to just go to the Midwest where labor is cheaper and I can source materials easier and pay less for freight Mm -hmm. and all that stuff and for facility. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so at least not for the foreseeable while my, you know, my kids and family are here. Mm-hmm. What choice does that leave me? I don't know. Yeah. I, guess I mean, airing my dirty laundry in front of everyone. <laughs> I feel exposed. I mean, I appreciate you sharing that. You know, I think that, uh, that it's tough. Um, and a lot of business owners, uh, will and do go through many similar things. Yeah. Um, you know, there, there are always challenges. I mean, let's be honest. Um, you know, it takes grit to be an entrepreneur. Um, but I think sometimes 
Um, you know, there's there's a difference between foolish stubbornness and actual heroic persistence. Um, and sometimes that is yes. really just knowing when it's time to grit your teeth together and turn around yeah. instead of pushing forward on a path that doesn't lead to a success. Um, yeah. You know, and, and in many cases, I mean, I, I don't have all the answers, yeah. but, uh, I, I, you know, I know that we've had conversations offline. I think, you know, there's there's opportunities there. Yeah. Um, yep. And, uh, you know, I'm I, I'm here to support you in every way i know I you are and i appreciate you for that buddy and i i want to i want to take a, a couple uh comments here from the the yeah. chat because the, this is stuff that i've spent way too much time as an overthinker just you know noodling mm-hmm. uh the first from vast cnc great question do i think some of the contraction could be tied to commitment to open source and people producing designs rather than purchasing um, I think that that's a common talking point and a fear around open source stuff. One, I don't have as much open source stuff as I think people sometimes think I do. Like we have the rep rack. Um, that was really never intended to be a, um, uh, a pro a product that I wanted to produce regularly. Like we, we support it. Like I'll sell like, you know, the brackets and the screws. we'll sell laser cut yeah. versions of it and stuff. It's just kind of a support thing, but because the bulk mm-hmm. of, of that product is like tied to EMT, which is not practical for me to ship and stuff and is just ubiquitous and cheap at every you know major home store in the US at least. Um, mm-hmm. It was a perfect opportunity to just do like a goodwill piece uh, to, to get that out there, just share it, let people make them however they want. And I think that's brought a lot of value in terms of visibility back to us. I don't think I've really left a ton of revenue on the table by like just putting that out there. The other open source stuff we've got, the only other one was like the rep winder. Um, and there was like enough um, complexity in the non-printable parts where people really, it wasn't practical for them to source their own. And so we sold mm. a lot of those kits. Um, I would argue in a lot of uh, a lot of cases, like open source is actually the more beneficial in terms of the goodwill and the size of the, the community and the market that you can build up. I mean, look at mm-hmm. something like the Voron project. Um, yeah, well, yes, like, you know, maybe Max and team like could have captured a lot more of that than say LDO or the companies that produce the kits and actually sell and make the money off of it. But, you know, they determined like they didn't want to deal with the head. It's hard. Manufacturing is hard. It is hard. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and let's be honest, like competing with a powerhouse like China, like that's just built to build, to make mm-hmm. is you're not, you're never going to be able to outproduce them in terms of manufacturing, raw manufacturing ability. Um, the, the, where you, we do is like our ability to market and engage audience in a different mm-hmm. way to innovate, to do R and D and stuff like that. Uh, that that's, that's a lot harder for, for, uh, Chinese and mm-hmm. overseas companies to come to. So that, that's kind of my gloss, my first take on the, um, open source versus, uh, you know, keeping it closed. What do you, what do you think about that? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I absolutely agree. You know, in terms of uh, in terms of open source, I mean, you, you will have people that will want to build their own and there will be people who go and do that. Yeah. But a vast majority, I think we're seeing this in a market today with the 3D printers, like no one cares anymore. You know, there are people that do, but the vast majority of people, the people that are voting with their dollars, right. they're voting saying, I just want something that I can buy. Yeah. That's a relatively cheap cost that provides me a value that I perceive, right. um, you know, is there and that's it. 
I, I would argue, I would argue that a lot yeah. of people, like anybody that wants to make their own anyway, is probably not a customer of yours to begin with. Like they just want, they want exactly. to make their own. Right. And so, mm-hmm. so aren't you better off winning some goodwill and some, you know, uh, uh, support for maybe a future product or, or mm-hmm. when they decide, cause like you said, we're always trading time for dollars and vice versa. And so when yep. you don't have money and you have time to put toward things, but a lot of the open sources products that are out there, they're not cheap either like building a voron kit is not cheap it's not you know there are inexpensive opportunities and stuff but most people when they start going down that road they realize wait it's actually not like it's going to cost me more to make my own to source Mm -hmm. when i can when i factor in sourcing things i can't source parts in quantity Mm -hmm. that makes sense like i only need 10 screws but i can't buy less than a thousand of these or whatever um so you know, those, those are my feels on that. It's not, it's not all the time, but again, when you're looking at the, the overall big picture, I would agree with you. The vast majority of people, like they would much rather spend money than the time mm-hmm. and the energy. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. So as a business focus. So I think you can get a lot, I think people can be getting a lot more value out of opening up stuff. I would love to do more open stuff, more community stuff because I love community stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I think that comes back to you in different ways. Maybe it's not a direct dollar tie all the time, but, but again, if you can build up awareness, you know, mm-hmm. that's that long game stuff we talked about earlier. Yeah. Um, the other, uh, well, there's more comments in here, but the 3d printer, uh, 3d printing professor comments on something that I've spent countless mm-hmm. sleeping nights on, right? Like yeah. we figured out how to manufacture and figure out what to manufacture, uh, is, is, uh, is better. It might be time to diversify. So I believe, and we've talked at length about this, mm-hmm. part of the reason I had struggled is that I think I fell into the, the very common entrepreneurial trap of going wide before I went mm-hmm. deep. And by that, I mean, yeah. you, we have this inherent fear of risk by, um, of, of putting all our eggs in one basket, right? Mm-hmm. If I have one product that I am known for, let's say it's mm-hmm. a storage box for storing filament. Mm-hmm. my first pass, especially as a maker, this is the fallacy of the maker too, is like, well, I don't want to mm-hmm. make the same thing over and over again. I want to like, I want to show that I can innovate and I'm creative and we have way more to offer and we do. And I do. And I mm-hmm. love doing that stuff. And that is really hard to repress, but from a yep. business standpoint as a scalable full-time supporting mm-hmm. you business, mm-hmm. when you are bootstrapped and you are lean, if you do not have the resources, if you do not have like R and D and time mm-hmm. it takes to get new product online. Mm-hmm. And again, it depends on what your product is. If we're just talking about taking designs that can be 3D printed and selling those things, that is not the same. That's something else. That yeah. is not the same as like actually physical, yeah. tangible kits of stuff, doing build guides, doing customer support. You know, it's because the the thing that most people look at is like well i can be, i can build this box it's not hard and i can manufacture this box and it's not hard no the making of the box itself is actually like probably only 25% of the battle uh mm-hmm. if that right it's like all these little support things that nobody thinks about how do i package this thing how do we improve the packaging so that it can go overseas and international how do i do the build guide how do i make the build guide in five different languages in five different modes that people uh, mm-hmm. uh, can understand, right? Cause not everybody gets watching a video or wants to watch a video. So they want the build that they want the online inter- like it's like a full-time job, just supporting like a very, <laughs> very basic assembly thing. 
Yeah. So then your choice becomes like, well, maybe you don't do kits and you just like, we save a lot. I've had a lot of conversations with 3D Chameleon. Bill, he's like, we're not even offering a kit anymore. We found that it's just, and I'm, I apologize, Bill, if this is like sharing your stuff, but I think this is something I think a lot of as well. Mm -hmm. Am I better off saving all these headaches of like dealing with the build guide and, and problems and customer support issues of people just not following instructions, breaking stuff, rehabbing, reship stuff by just mm -hmm. offering a fully assembled one and saying, we talked at nauseum about this. Yep. You know, I remember coming out to your shop and talking through this, but again, because know. that, mm -hmm. that leans yep. heavily into all the things that we don't do well, meaning like I have to pay, like labor is expensive yep. here. Yep manufacturing is a challenge. My cost of materials has gone up 40 something percent over the last 16 months. Yep. Uh, which is just like a, like constant, just knife in the back, knife in the back, knife in the back. Um, yeah. and you know, I can only eke so much more value out of saying like, Oh, but it's better. It's marginally better. We got the ceiling better. The, you know, acrylic is better than MDF, all these other things. Yep it's only so much better. I can make it where it's just, yeah, but that's out of reach. It's not practical. I don't want to spend four or $500 on just like this, like bling box, <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh, so, so uh, there's been a lot of like swallowing some pride, making some hard decisions. Like I'm not, I, I don't think that I'm egotistical around it, but there are times where I feel like I've been holding on to mm -hmm. something the way it is when there's been a shift and I need, I'm at a pivot point, right? Like I need to adapt or die. Mm-hmm. If I am yeah. priced out of where I need to be to be selling a specific product line, I either need to shift to a completely different product line. Um, mm -hmm. And and uh, 3D printing professor is right. Like, I think that there is a time where you need to hedge, but it's like, no, I need, you mm -hmm. need to sell a lot more. You need mm -hmm. to focus on engaging and, and like mm -hmm. doing maximizing with what you have before you go wide is my opinion. I mean there are so many times I wish, you know, like, you know, I'm a maker entrepreneur myself. Like I see all of these things I want to be able to build. I want to be able to make. And I'm like, Hey, there's a product here. There's something that I could potentially sell. We have three products. That's all we have at Gloop. We've had the same three products since 2019. Well, I'm not killed, one of them you've actually kind of killed one off. of them we've killed yeah so one of them we killed off yeah and i mean the i'm not saying that the laser focus will make you successful you know there are things in which i know that we could be doing better here but intentionally holding off we have three other product lines that we've spent tons of money tons of time in the r&d but what Alan was talking about in terms of getting packaging together so they can ship in terms of the support, in terms of making for sure you put some marketing material around this, all of the, all of the ancillary items that go into an additional product going wider, it's just, it takes so much more time yep. and it's hard for us to support. And then, you know, terms of trying to figure out how to manufacture those things and all of the processes that people don't see on the back end. You know, it, it's, it's difficult. Um, you know, it, in many cases, I think in entrepreneurs, like in general, in all walks, whether you're a maker or just a general entrepreneur, you have to be super focused on what it is that you're doing and do that one thing better than anyone else could ever do it. Yep. You know, and, and that's in, it. Well, I mean, what's the common wisdom? Like you see this in like a lot of entrepreneur texts. It's like, you know, scale, sell what you have mm -hmm. before you scale it. Right. Or like, mm -hmm. 
You know, I yeah. think that the, the 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 dangers of trying to scale too fast or mm-hmm. or you know flailing around like and we've said this before like focus is so key but and it's opportunity cost, right? Because we think yep. like, oh, I'm gonna, I want to do this product. I want to be like, no, that's just makers being makers. Like, I want to make all these cool things. Oh, oh would you buy this? Mm-hmm. Would you buy this? Would you buy this? But man, is R and D time consuming, mm-hmm. intensive, and and all that stuff. Part yeah. of the reason I had to let go one of my guys, I did. He was fantastic at the R and D and all that stuff. I just didn't have. I wasn't in a place where I could support that. And I, I was holding on too long because I like, I wanted his talent and his skills. He was a great CAD guy and like all this stuff, but it just didn't have the revenue yeah. tied to it. I, it took too long to actuate. He was the brains behind like a part of our, uh, of our turntable product and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And it just, while I still believe that that's a fantastic product and has the potential to exceed the original rep box, Mm-hmm. I just, I don't, I, uh, the, my other admission, we ran out of cash guys. Mm-hmm. Like we talk about how important cash flow is. Like mm-hmm. I literally was at the point where it's like the bank account was like this close yeah. to zero uh, for all intents and purposes. We were out of cash. It was zero. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and I was like, what, mm-hmm. what, what do I do? Uh, you know, I'm like cutting everything I can and like all this stuff. I mean like, and this is just, it's funny because in your personal life, you were like, if you're out of cash, you're, you're bankrupt. Um, you're bankrupt. You, you can't survive anymore. <laughs> in, the, in the business world. And, and, and unfortunately with consumer debt and all this stuff, like, I think mm-hmm. we have this ability to kind of like delay or put off or, or it makes yeah. it too easy to not confront that problem because you can just start taking on debt. And I am mm-hmm. very, very, very debt averse, right? Like mm-hmm. I'm like, Nope, we're falling out of sustainability here. We need to contract. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, it sucked. It sucked so bad, but I'm like, okay, this is what we got to do. Got to do layoffs. Mm-hmm. Got to cut these things. Not going to do this. It's like, I want to, you know, unfortunately I don't have the capacity to produce all the product lines that we do anymore. So it's like, I've had to be like, okay, we got to go back to our roots. We got to, mm-hmm. you know, refine this. I got to, you know, course correct. Um, in, in the world of entrepreneur stuff, you like, there's so many people that can tell stories about like, yeah, we ran out of cash and then we did fundraising or we did this. It's like, these are, it's just like a thing that happens, you know? And Mm -hmm. it's, it is a solvable problem. Like as much as it feels like, Oh my gosh, like we're, we're, we've gone under, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. you know, thankfully I'm in a point where it's like, yeah, yeah, I can not pay myself and I can kind of correct. Like I've got, you know, because I don't have all my eggs in one basket and stuff like that. It's, it's not the end of the world. But, uh, it's, it's really, really, when you're, Mm -hmm. you know, when times get tough, it really makes you, you know, check your metal and, and, uh, decide what you want to do. So I've started looking at it as like, okay, this is an opportunity to refocus and, and make some tough choices. And it, a lot of times, I mean, for weeks and weeks, it was just felt like I was just picking between the, uh, lesser (laughs) of two terrible choices. Right. Yeah. That's just the way it goes sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to, and then, and then to have a conversation with you where you're just like, we're growing like crazy and all this stuff. And I'm like, dude, what, are we even in, working in the same environment? And it's, it's so dependent on yeah. what your product is and, and where you're at. Mm-hmm. And you have a completely different profile mm-hmm. uh, of customer, yeah. right? You're in, completely you're different. in impulse I mean, buy land and you're, you're very mm-hmm. unique in your offering. Like, yeah, I guess you're competing mm-hmm. with what CA glue, uh, yeah. but not well, really. I mean, I mean, but you know, they're, they're at any moment, you know, something can have regulations can change. A new competitor can come out sure. and it completely could ruin our business. Now that's the other thing where it's like diversifying does make sense. And like 
that's what I'm working on, you know, trying to figure out, okay, I've taken it to a point where things are growing, things, the machine is running and we're generating consistent revenue now. Right. And now it's time to start diversifying. Right. You know, we've, you know, but every business is different, unfortunately. So we can't provide the advice of, Hey, this is what we did. You have to just follow this footstep. I mean, I think in many cases, being an entrepreneur is, is going through these filters and it's basically tearing yourself up to go through these filters because it makes you a better entrepreneur on the out sure. on the outbound. Sure. You know, and I'm, I mean, you know, I I'm confident that you will come through this thing with flying colors. Like, you know, it might go, it's going to hurt probably. Oh, it has know? hurt. But it does hurt. It, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. You, you know, but yeah. as you, as you keep, as you keep grinding those teeth together and backtracking a little bit. Dental hygiene has never been poor. Um, <laughs> it's yeah. And I, I, sometimes we just have that, that hopeless optimism as entrepreneurs is like, keep marching forward. But at mm -hmm. some point, like you do have to have the conversations. Like, am I just marching into the ground? I think I, I did get to an actual low point where I was like, you know what, what we're doing is not working. And I just need a dramatic mm -hmm. shift. Like something's got to change because like, this is not, this is not sustainable. This isn't working anymore. And it takes like hitting rock bottom to like, actually like snap you out of like, uh, this is not a good course. We, I, we are constantly falling into these things where it's like, we try to draw trends with like, you know, here's what it's done historically and all this stuff. And so at the time when we were flying high, you know, I was operating with the best information I had at the time. Mm -hmm. This is the trajectory that we are on. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. like there, there was a combination of things, whether they're market driven or not, uh, you know, that I just, you could argue, yeah. maybe I didn't prepare enough for, you know, maybe I didn't, maybe I was too, uh, too aggressive in investing, uh, and reinvesting mm -hmm. rather than like, you know, growth. You just said like, oh, now's your time to diversify. I would disagree. I still think you mm -hmm. have a lot of work to do to, to oh, scale yeah. the product that you have. Oh, absolutely. I wasn't trying to say like uh, those are plans. I was just, you know, I know you want to. Yeah, 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 yeah. In generalities, but I, I mean, I think, you know, one of the things that has helped me recently is the idea as an entrepreneur of essentially building a challenge network of individuals. And I mean, this is something that this is how this podcast came out between Pooch and I, like we started talking about some of the challenges, some of the things that we were, you know, like going through. Right. Um, but I, I think there's actually some really cool merit to the idea of having more individuals of, of basically challenging, thinking through all of these scenarios, yeah. because for, for a while, like I actually just recently started having a business counselor, like someone who comes in, who's, who's basically counseled other founding CEOs, presidents, That's whatever fantastic. you call it. Mentors, and mentorship, through, coaching, all very good worthwhile things. And, and so, so this individual has been kind of coaching and teaching me. And for the longest time, I was of the mindset. It's like, we have to keep moving forward. We always just have to keep moving forward in every blind scenario. Yeah. And in some cases, like this is where this mentor said, listen, sometimes you need to stop where you are and you need to look and say, I need to backtrack. Yeah. And, you know, like have some what they call confident humility here and say, you have basically come up on top of Mount Stupid and you've now realized it. Yep. And instead of continuing to march off the edge of the cliff, you got to go back down and you got to turn around. And, you know, basically he's 
this individual has been helping me kind of build up uh, essentially a challenge network of individuals that are challenging me to go and do the next thing to get to, you know, where I think, you know, I need to be. Yeah. Um, And there's no, there's no real clear path to do that. That's fantastic, um, man. You know, I think in I think in many cases, like where you're at right now, is this is the perfect opportunity to challenge yourself for future growth and continued change. Um, you know, I'm I'm really I'm really serious about uh, having these come to Jesus, you know, moments. And I, I don't know. I, I hope this is interesting to you guys because I'm not I'm really not hopefully. trying to be negative. <laughs> Um, I, I just think this is the kind of thing that just doesn't get shared very often because a lot of times there's just too many, sometimes there's legal issues around like the negative things that Mm -hmm. happen, like when businesses are, are, are struggling or failing or whatever. I don't, I, I, again, I don't think, I don't feel like I've failed. I think that there's opportunity here, but like when I am trying to step back and be like, okay, what do I do? Well, what do I not do? Well, what are my strengths? You know, I do this. I love SWOT analyses, right? Like strengths, mm-hmm. weaknesses, opportunity, threat. If you guys don't know what that is, go look it up. Very, yeah. very easy exercise. Well, I don't want to say easy, but it's it's it should be an ongoing yeah. thing. It should yeah. be something you regularly check in. Like, what are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? What are your opportunities? What are your threats? Mm-hmm. Whiteboard it out. Okay. Um, as a business, that's completely different than like what are Pooch's strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats, mm-hmm. right? And and right now, like, there's a lot of overlap as as a business and an individual i am yeah i am i am one now so this is one in the same <laughs> but um but yeah no what the what resources that i can bring to bear um mm-hmm. and what you know what energy what gets me out of bed in the morning what i do well what i don't do well um mm-hmm. you know all those things and and as a as a as a human as a person like on the on the soft skills, on the networking, on the sales, the marketing, the, you know, all that stuff. Like I engage, I am engaged as can be, and I've had a decent amount of Mm -hmm. success. Uh, I am a very average to below average, um, like, uh, manufacturer. Um, I would say Mm -hmm. I'm an average product designer, maybe, you know, slightly, but but, I mean, you know, I don't know. You could, you could rank all these things out. Um, a manager of people, I, I think I'm a good interactor with individuals, but when it comes to actually managing them, I, I'm i willing to admit I'm not as good as I think I thought I was um, mm-hmm. because I have pretty high expectations. And yeah. what I think – I think I'm communicating clearly and I'm, I'm not sometimes. Like some of the struggles that I've had with individuals that have worked for me in the past – I just get really irritated when it's just like they don't get it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought I've conveyed yep. it, and they just still don't get it, or they don't want to, or they're being lazy, or whatever. And like, no man, it's probably partially just me not doing the, that stuff. And it's it's a drag. There was there were days where it's just like I don't even want to go, and I don't want to deal with these people, mm-hmm. um, which is not mm-hmm. a healthy place to be. It's like avoiding your own avoiding your own work, business, of own business because you're annoyed by the people that are in it. I mean, like that you not, that you've hired. <laughs> Yeah, that that's extreme. That's not really. Yeah, I'm, I'm being silly. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I mean, I think I think we yeah. all have our moments, right? Where it's just like I just I can't yeah. I can't be around you know this client yeah. this, this circus right now. Um, <laughs> Ethan uh, Coulter asks, "Can I share if I have thoughts of any alternative directions?" Um, yeah, of course, I have many thoughts. Uh, <laughs> what I want to share at the moment. Um, I, I'm just gonna say I'm evaluating every opportunity. I think as an entrepreneur, I'll just say this, that, um, uh, I've always said that having to go back to work for somebody else is, it feels like that would be failure to me. 
Um, and that's, that has got a huge asterisk next to it, depending on like what the capacity of that is. Like I've actually found some good success, uh, doing some consulting work in the, in the short term. Mm -hmm. So maybe I'm not like directly employed, uh, like collecting a paycheck doing the W2 thing, but like some of the collabs mm -hmm. that like you and I have done, uh, say, and some other businesses. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I think I brought a lot of value, uh, in that, mm -hmm. in that front. Yeah. And I think there's some opportunity there. Uh, I, I enjoy it. Um, I actually like really, I mean, I talk about how much I love events. Like I, I don't like a lot of people hate travel and I'm like all about it right now. I mean, like mm -hmm. I want to do, I want to go to all the events. I want to talk to all the people. I want to get all the ideas. I want to share all the thoughts. Um, I want to do, you know, partnerships and collaborations and all that stuff and having a, a network of other companies with more resources yeah. to bear, uh, is, is, is beneficial for, for what I'm doing and, in my business and, and maybe in future stuff too. So maybe that's a, you know, very generic comment. Uh, Winslow says happens more than regarding dealing with staff I've hired. Yeah. St staff is guys mm -hmm. that, that is a skill set. Like being a manager, I don't know. You want to talk for just a really, I, we're going long, but I don't know where you're yeah. at on time. Like I, I'm, oh, just, I'm, I'm good. I'm in, the, yeah. I'm in the zone right now. And I feel like I want to, yeah. I want to talk a little bit more about it. Um, when we talk about managing people, you uh, you haven't yeah. you haven't gotten to that yet, really. You're still not not like, a glue, yeah, not a glue. Um, in in my previous startup, uh, you know, I <laughs> Andrew, thank you. Uh, uh, if I say I'm going out of business, will you guys throw more money at us? Like, uh, that'd be fine. <laughs> um, no, we're not going out of business, uh, Andrew. Thank you. Uh, we're just uh, sharing some of the 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 challenges of the lean times of the summer. Um, I, I will say I'm like, I'm refocusing stuff. I, I went through some massive contraction. Uh, I had to do a layoff. I, there, there was only me and two other people. Uh, one of them I had to lay off over the summer and then the other one just gave me notice, uh, that he's moving on, which I, you know, happens. Uh, so mm -hmm. we're, we're just talking about refocusing and stuff like that. Oh, and we ran out of cash, but we're, we're, we're correcting. <laughs> we're, we're not oh, out yeah, of cash though, right. but, but it's like, th this is, these are the hard times and we're just sharing some hard times on my, on my side, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. in the hopes that maybe I can be a cautionary tale to some of you guys. That's all. Uh, but thank you for your contribution it is much appreciated. Yeah. And, and, uh, we don't make any money from this type of thing. This is a passion project. So we, we mm -hmm. do appreciate the support that you you guys send on this yeah thank uh, you i had, I had andrew <laughs> worried yeah uh okay um okay so we're talking about managing people yeah. and all that stuff um here's here's what i want to lead you off with I yeah, think sure. Go ahead. when we talk about career advancement for a lot of people a lot of you guys might have a, a nine to five uh and and we we look at career advancement and at some point along your career advancement you know thing you inevitably most places start getting looking at managerial roles, right? Where you're just going to mm -hmm. have, you're going to start managing other people and other people. It's because, because mm -hmm. we're all just pyramid schemes, babe, man. That's what these businesses are. <laughs> that's it. Right? That's, that's yeah. all it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, Vishal. Good to see you, buddy. Um, and so the, the problem is, is like, okay, that, that seems like what benefits the business as you grow. Like if you can manage these people and these people can manage their people and those, cause we're just building the pyramid. Right. And yep. the CEO doesn't do anything with the manufacturing. Yeah. And you know, <laughs> right, right. He's yeah. just, yeah. Yeah. So it's, we're all doing our mar multi-level marketing and hopefully you work your way to the top. Um, yeah. and 
unfortunately, like the you get to the the buck does stop with you. So it's like while you might not be directly tied to like what's happening and it's not your fault if certain things happen, it is all your fault at some point when mm-hmm. you get all the way out of the top. So that is where a lot of your value and strategic vision and stuff like that that seems mm-hmm. less tangible and tied to the dollar, you know, the bottom line um, come. But yeah. that that structure that is inherently built in is kind of messed up because for people to promote they have to tap into skills that a lot of people just don't have. Like being mm-hmm. a manager of people is a, is a very specific skill set. And I would say most people that get thrown into managerial roles, like either don't have the skills or don't have the skills to learn that, or don't yeah. invest in learning that, mm-hmm. um, you know, they may be great. They might've been a great engineer and product designer, but then they may yes. be a terrible manager of other engineer and product designers as they promote. Mm-hmm. discuss yeah so i mean here at gloop we you know we're, we're still really small um we haven't had the we haven't made the jump of hiring people but we're really close like we should have hired a long time ago but you know we just keep reinvesting and <laughs> you know we'll we'll get there um but my past previous startup uh you know we at one time so there was some there was some interesting you know uh some rises and falls, some peaks and valleys, uh, you know, in that. Um, at our peak, we had like 17 people. Um, and, you know, I was the founding CEO. Uh, and I had, you know, some people who were direct reports. And then I had people who, you know, basically, were, you know, there was like two levels, essentially. Yep. You know, so you had me with the the couple executives that I had. And we were all on the board. And then you would have... Uh, you know, the engineers. Now, I mean, it was small enough where I could talk with everyone. Um, I knew back then, I mean, I was 19, 20 years old. I was a terrible manager of people. Um, I was just going to ask you I, you know, I had no idea how to manage people. I had no idea how to tell them, you know, what projects that we needed to work on. How Sorry, how old did you say you were at the time? Like 19 or 20. Yeah. 19. Wait a minute. You're saying as a 19 year old, you were a terrible manager of people? Hmm. Yeah, who would have thought? Yeah, have thought okay. <laughs> Interesting. Okay, so what did you learn? Yeah, and, yeah. So, so what I learned is, is I had to hire someone to do that. Um, and uh, you know, I had an individual who I trusted to manage essentially what we called the, our junior engineers. Okay. Uh, and you know, I, while I got to work with the more professional, higher end engineers. Yep. Um, okay. and even still like managing a team of engineers, like people would look to me like, Hey, what is the next thing that we're working on? Hey, do we really need, um, you know, do we need to work on, uh, you know, this, or we got this problem we have to solve. And in many cases, like I I wouldn't know what to do. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, you know, and like there were plenty of times where it takes a lot of uh, interpersonal skills to be able to communicate to people like, hey, like you're not doing a great job at this. You need to do better. But without blowing up at them and yelling at them or, <laughs> you know, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, causing causing workplace issues. Um, it's something that I think that I've I've learned from. Um, again, I haven't really put those still those new skills to the test. OK, uh, as we. As we continue to, so that was after our our significant investment, where we I think we had a million dollar round at that point. Okay. So we were we we were we had some decent money, some reserves, and then we went through a slight contraction because we realized that we were going to go in a different direction. Yeah. Um, and uh, then we started, uh, you know, kind of expanding again. Uh, got some new people in, 
but yeah, you know, it, it's, you know, I know that it's going to be a new chapter for us in Gloop coming up. And I mean, it's part where I'm actually scared, which is one of the reasons why I went out and I got a business coach, um, yeah. you know, started having someone kind of work with me a little bit more on the the ins and outs of as we are changing because i see exactly what's happening and i'm terrified of what i don't know like i i know that i've been through some of this before but i'm still I'm like i don't know this and i need to and i need to surround myself with the individuals that know it better well and that's uh, that's so the that, key that's the key right mm -hmm. there so the fact that you have that awareness and you have the mm -hmm. ability to do that okay because mm -hmm. I, I got to tell you, I've always struggled to find good mentorship and coaching. Uh, and mm -hmm. maybe, you know, I could have invested more in that. Or maybe I'm just looking at it different because, like, I talk to a lot of people about this stuff. Maybe I just get that in a different way. Like, I've never had anybody that's specifically, like, will you be my mentor? You know, the way that I think yeah. a lot of people have. But what you honed in on. Uh, that, that humility, that, that knowledge, mm -hmm. that knowledge to know, like when they're always going to be blind spots, there's yeah. always going to be the things you don't know, you don't know how to proceed. And sometimes like you just have to decide on something. So sometimes being a leader is just making the decision, mm -hmm. right? Because sometimes the indifference is, is detrimental as well. Uh, in, in terms of like your visibility and leadership, if you're wishy-washy, you know, I think a lot of times you might be better committing to a suboptimal course of action yeah. versus, mm -hmm. uh, no action at all. Right. Mm -hmm. Missing opportunities and, and things like that. But man, yep. I mean, the, the, the paths are, are fraught with danger mm -hmm. in all, all different you know ways and stuff like that. And that's where sometimes I, I don't like using the word luck, but you know, sometimes mm -hmm. some luck there's, you know, some things that are more fortuitous than others and whatnot. Um, but there, yeah, there are, there are elements of luck, I guess, to some extent. Mm -hmm. Uh, but you do need to be prepared for that. Like, nothing is ever always going to go right. And how do you handle that? And, and honestly, like how you handle the downtimes does prove like what mm -hmm. it is. And sometimes as hard as it is to do the layoffs, like it did and stuff like that, it's just like, you'll get respected more for like, mm -hmm. gotta survive driving us all yep. flying us all into the ground. Does mm -hmm. nobody any good. Right. Yep. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I yeah, I feel I feel bad because I feel responsible for other people. But frankly, I was taking on a ton of stress and, and gray hair and sleepless nights because I had too many dependents, both mm -hmm. uh, on my tax form <laughs> and uh, just in, in in business. And mm -hmm. um, I, I couldn't. I, I wanted I wanted to be able to provide for everybody, but like again. I do nobody any good if I'm just a complete stress ball that's that that's hiding at home doesn't want to show up at work and and all that stuff too. So, yeah, uh, mm -hmm. it's it's an interesting challenge. But thank you for sharing that experience and and having that humility. And it's going to be interesting uh, going in, you know, as you start to grow and realize mm -hmm. that you're going to have to hire again. Are you going to be able to like? What would your strategy be if I can ask you? Sure. And for growth, like, are you going to hire like a GM? Because at some point when you have limited, you still have limited resources. You're still small. You're bootstrapped. Mm -hmm. So you, it's not like you can just hire 10 people to grow. Nope. Right. Mm -hmm. You're, you're counting yeah. on some of these POs coming in. Maybe you take them to the bank, get a line of credit, or, mm -hmm. you know, maybe you seek some investment so that you can expand rap more rapidly. Cause we're, tra it's yeah. always trading time for dollars. There's always a trade-off. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think my strategy right now is, is, 
is finding something that is easy enough that I can. Well, so let me back up. Um, one of the big things uh, about getting some someone on board is making for sure that there are clearly defined processes outlined so that someone who doesn't understand the business and how it operates can perform a job or the, the duties requested. Uh, so basically clearly defining the rails or painting the lines on the road and telling them these are the rules of the road. Um, you know, in a very limited capacity. We're probably going to start off really small um, in something where we're going to take in some employees to help us with fulfillment, pick and pack, those sorts of things yep. um, that, you know, are, are, are easy to kind of get our, get our feet wet with. And as we, you know, as we continue to grow, hopefully the opportunities that that affords us of working on the business instead of in the business, um, we are going to hone some of those managerial skills where we can become a little bit better at, at saying, hey, these are the directions, these are the things that we need to go and we need to do, and eventually kind of work into getting more individuals in to help out that are more multifaceted. Um, you know, these are going to be key people uh, that we're going to hopefully have as we continue growing and moving forward that, you know, can kind of morph and do other various jobs, depending on what they, you know, what's required. So, you know, I, I certainly don't have all of the answers. Um, and there are, you know, a bunch of different ways that this could go. So. I think it sounds like a sound plan, dude. And I, it, yeah, uh, it's, mm -hmm. it's always interesting to say, I'll be, I'll be interested to talk, you know, in, 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 uh, yeah. uh, in practice, how it goes versus, you know, the theory here. Um, mm -hmm. sometimes it's a luck of like getting some just key talent at the right time, finding, mm -hmm. uh, people and, and the danger is when you're going through a growth, a, a rapid growth mode, especially as mm -hmm. you like, you're just trying to throw people at the problem. And my God, yeah. is that not a good choice? A lot of the and, time. And so that's one of those things where we haven't done, like, I mean, we've been growing at a, a pretty substantial clip and there are many things where we probably need to throw people at the problem, but we're not right now. And I, I think it's really intentional uh, simply because it, it, that's that it's like any entrepreneur, like I've, I've gone through uh, the arts grants program um, They're you know, they have this idea and they're like, we just need money in order to execute it. Right. And the answer is always, no, you don't just need money. There are times in which money helps. Um, but in many cases, you need to be willing to put in the hard work and the effort to actually get this thing going on, on what it is that you're doing. Like you have to pass the filter test. You know, um, the sniff and test. I, I think that that's that's what this is, is like we we have to intentionally pass this test and and basically grow in an incremental step so that we can then start putting fuel on top onto the fire and accelerating that. Yeah. Because if we just start throwing people the problem, I'm going to be in the same boat that I was in back in my early days, because that's exactly what I did. Yeah. And I didn't know how to manage people. And then I hired someone. And then, you know, things got disconnected, projects never got completed. And I was a terrible, you know, manager at, at that point because I, I was naive. I was young. I didn't know any better. And then eventually the board threw me out. 
It's a you it's know? a perfect storm of of problems. Let's say one, you're young, young mm-hmm. and inexperienced, so that's always yeah. a challenge. So the the fact that you were actually able to get venture funding at that age and people to back your play is very impressive. That was right time and place. Everyone very was impressive. all up on the Mark Zuckerberg, you know. Oh yeah, oh, the Wunderkind oh, story. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So so you you got that, and now it's one uh, with venture stuff. It's it's stupid easy to spend other people's money. Right. Mm-hmm. So like, this yep. is part of the reason, like, I don't, uh, well, it's not to say that there's not play, but like venture funding and what's important. And like a lot of the stuff, like they talk about being pre-revenue, like it's all about just building attention and like, who cares about the money right now? Right. Like, Oh, it's easy. Mm-hmm. Of course it's easy for you to spend money. It's not your money. Um, but then when you combine that with the fact that one of the most expensive parts of operating the business, the payroll, the people, mm-hmm. and you're, you're trying to navigate like, okay, we gotta, we gotta move quick, right? We're gonna, we gotta, you know, we're gonna move fast and break stuff. I got to hire a bunch of people. And that is like the last thing that you want to do, um, mm-hmm. mindlessly because yep. having a bad fit, and the the, mm-hmm. the toxicity that that can create in the workspace and mm-hmm. or even even if it's just like there's some people that have like an, an incredible skills but they're put in the wrong space they're they're just not yep. given the right role right and so yep. if you don't they're have that enabled. ability to mm-hmm. move the pieces around on the board and 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 mm-hmm. do that and and that's that's an art and like a, a lot of times those things don't become apparent until you're in process oh yeah Mm-hmm. So either you have to have the resources to weather that and realize, okay, okay, this is going to take us like, you know, mm-hmm. six months to get everybody in the right seat. Okay. Yeah. Or, and there's going to be people that say, nope, that was wrong. You know, you, you yep. have to be a little bit more, um, cutthroat. I think about mm-hmm. like, nope, this isn't working out. Boom. Cut bait. Like, yep. and that's, um, that, that maybe that's easier when it's not, your money, I I don't know. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's yeah. it's like well, who cares? Because like they're just it's just coming out of the. But your burn rate and the things like we talk about where it's. I mean, yeah, it, it, you know that's I'll, not I'll a say thing that I, when you're a, when you're a bootstrap. I'll, I'll say that it was easy to spend other people's money, and it got easier to the, be the point where even if it wasn't a great fit, it didn't matter to me because yeah. it's like well, I still see a value here or whatever, and that's where I was wrong. Um, and I needed to be a better entrepreneur because, you know, I needed to realize that this person wasn't fit for that position and I needed to move on or past it, or I needed to get something else in. Yeah. Um, and it, you know, yeah, it, it, that's the issue. I think in terms of, it takes a, it takes someone who, who knew more about being an entrepreneur than I did at that moment to, to, to run that effectively. I yeah. mean, I feel that there are you know, a lot of things I would have done differently. And, you know, maybe in five years time, uh, I'm going to look back to these days and be like, wow, you know, look at all of the things they did terribly wrong. Uh, But that's the process of growing. I mean, I think that um, one of the things that's really been helping me a lot as an entrepreneur is looking at things in a craftsman mindset. Um, So basically becoming, mastering these skills Mm. um, in in specifically. Yeah, okay. uh, you know, if we look at craftsmen, you know, they take pride in their work uh, and it's always what they could do better the next time. Uh, you know, every single thing, like whether it's a master, cra- uh, you know, um, cabinet maker or, um, you know, tabletops, whatever it might be. You talk with them like they'll take pride in their work, but they'll actually 
like point out the issues of where they've actually had like, oh, I could have done this better. I could have done this better. And it's part of this process that they go through of mastery. And once you start mastering these things, it actually becomes a passion. And that's what really kind of accelerates this growth, I feel like. Um, and for me, I want to be a better entrepreneur. I want to be the best at you know, what I'm doing now. And part of that really comes down to looking at all of the things and understanding like, yes, I have passion at doing glute, but that I think the passion is more so just me learning and doing that hard work of making myself better at this. Oh, now that's interesting. Um, so you're, you're you saying know. that, that the value, a lot of the value you're getting out of this is that the proving that you can, can mm -hmm build that this is your greatest make not that it's like uh making money scaling gloop or whatever but like that you can can, can, mm -hmm. can i mean master entrepreneurship yeah essentially i mean it's just what can i do in this moment to make myself a better entrepreneur what can i do in you know the next moment to build upon those skills and continue yep. to become better at this yeah like i want to be the best that i can possibly be and in, in every facet of this entrepreneurship piece. And in order to do that, I've got to go through the grind. I've got to go through the hard work. I've got to put in this effort and thinking like, I, I call it this craftsman mindset because it's, it's just, it's, it's borrowing on the, the aspect of like what a craftsman does, you know, they're constantly in their shop. They're constantly working. They're trying to become better at doing the next thing, whatever it is. Um, you know, so it just, it, I don't know. It's a, it's an interesting perspective. It's given me some, some excitement, I, I, I guess. <laughs> I, I see what you're, I see what you're saying. And like, yes, I, I think there's an element to that, uh, as well. I don't, I don't think I've ever thought of it as like honing craftsmanship in the same way, but I, I also don't operate with that mindset cause I'm a broad mm -hmm. strokes, individual mm -hmm. like i get bored with mastery i i that's why i'm more of a generalist right and so it's mm -hmm. like i i want i want to hone my craft to a specific level and then i want to do other stuff well and you know there's actually there's some interesting things like this is one of those conversations i've been having a lot with this with this mentor was specifically like many people will reach an acceptable level of performance mm -hmm. and leave it at that because they they find this generalist. But what you find is with these individuals is they can never, they they typically fall into this trap of chasing a passion project mm -hmm. or chasing something that they're passionate about because they never can actually scratch that itch fully. And if you look at athletes uh, in many cases, the athletes that succeed and become the best athletes in the world are the ones that have these regimens that aren't really changing, treat basically training them to be a better athlete. It's training all of the other aspects of their own personality to push through, to persevere in these challenges. All right. uh, basically constantly, you know, it's like working out. You're constantly going to the gym. You're constantly working out. And in many cases, it, it, my, my wife's um, father is a bodybuilder. And like, I never actually understood, like all, all the times like I've had conversations, I always thought it was like ridiculous to the level of commitment he had. Mm -hmm. you know, for, for mm -hmm. this bodybuilding. And it wasn't until I actually kind of realized that it, it wasn't that he was doing it to be a better bodybuilder per se. He was actually trying to go through this process to just, it, it was, it was a passion of his that evolved out of bettering himself. Can he do better? Can mm -hmm. he make and master this thing? And that was the drive, you know? And so 
I have a, I have a thought just really quick on this. And then the, we, we, speaking of mastery, we should give a master class on how to turn a one hour podcast into a two hour podcast. Because <laughs> I know, right? That is what we do when we get going. But the, on the subject of bodybuilding and personal fitness, uh, mm-hmm. I, I did a short on this, like, I don't know, maybe a month or two ago. Um, where I was musing around the thoughts of like why that really resonates with some people. And I think what it is specifically to bodybuilding or to, to just high level mm-hmm. fitness is it that y- you have a visible physical manifestation of your efforts in a way that mm-hmm. you just don't get with a lot of other things. Right. Cause so much like that value can be more amorphous on other uh, aspects. Sure. Like, yeah, we, we have metrics in terms of like, Oh, it, you know, if I do this well, like I'll have, this many dollars in my bank account, you know, financial metrics or, or, or whatever else. But, sure. but it's like a way of a pride where it's like, if I put in this work, I, mm-hmm. I, I can, I can show how much work that I've been putting in and how committed I am to something where other people can visibly see that mm-hmm. on me. And, and, sure. uh, and I have the add on benefits of being held to an extent, right? Cause there's diminishing yeah. returns. Like some of the best bodybuilders are probably like overly, excessive right mm-hmm. like uh, but mm-hmm. but again balance in all things that's my that's my theory yeah. and i'm like well um mm-hmm. I, but i again i would say like i don't know if i want to achieve that level of mastery because at some point that just gets like uh mm-hmm. obsessive well and and so i think i think again there are there are pieces where people can get distracted on what it is that they're mastering uh, again, this is this is all some of these things that I'm learning myself as I, and I'm discovering, um, you know, so I'm not an expert in this. But what, what I think it is, it comes it, what it comes down to, I believe, is is understanding that it's not the specific thing that you're trying to master. Like, you know, in in the craftsman, like I want to master building the most elegant table or being the best cabinet maker, what, whatever that might be. It's more so I want to understand how to wield the tools that I have at my disposal that, you know, better than anyone else Mm -hmm. um, and become so good that I can take up this next piece, whatever it might be. And I can then master that because I have the skill sets or I I have the ability to, to, you know, like the, the willpower, if you will, to go through and do that. Um, Again, I don't know if it makes sense. There's a lot of learning. I I think it does. You know, um, um, George White had an interesting comment that I, I that mm-hmm. strikes me in a way. He goes, "Would a pessimist be good at starting? I think he's trying to say good at starting a business." I, I would reframe that question slightly and say, like, uh, um, do you require optimism to be a successful entrepreneur? Like, take take it in the negative of that. I don't know if I, I'll, I'll offer my thought. You offer yours. Uh, I don't know if it's required, but I think it's better if you do to put it just completely generically. So, Cause if you're so just you were, too you doom and gloom, you're not, you're not going to do yeah, it. Yeah. 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 I think it's interesting, right? Cause there was a point in my, at starting this, I was super optimistic. I was wildly optimistic. Yeah. Um, and I think in many cases, having that unfoundering, you know, uh, like optimism, like is what drives entrepreneurs forward. It's that piece that it's like, I am going to continue moving. Like, I, I believe in this so much. Um, whereas if you're too pessimistic, 
it, it, I think it would be difficult to get started. Now, that being said, uh, there's many, pla many places where I think I've changed some of my viewpoints and I've become quite pessimistic on, on aspects. And I, you know, I don't know if it's necessarily to an advantage or disadvantage. Um, you know, I, I think that there's a balance. I think if you're too pessimistic, you're not going to be able to get started. But if you're too optimistic after you, you've got, you've gotten started, you can actually run into issues. And so you sure. need to like dial that back a little bit. Uh, Krusty's point is probably well taken in that I think it has more to do with realism maybe than mm -hmm. optimism and pessimism. Like you got to have a reasonable dose of like what the realities of the challenges are. Like it's not always going to be easy. Yeah. It's, it's a constant you're mm -hmm. swinging back and forth. Like I think it's good to be skeptical about stuff sometimes. Like sure. you know, just don't, unbridled optimism is not great and unbridled <laughs> pessimism is not great. Right. But yeah. realism, uh, that it's requires a balance and all that stuff is, is where you want to be. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Good question though. Um, I think we got to find somewhere to wrap it up because I can't, I can't even like, if we covered so much ground, I think yeah, we, we probably both had some repressed energy in terms of just things we wanted to talk about and share. And, uh, I'm glad to see so many people jumping in and some not so familiar. At one point I saw Wex jump in and say hi, which was yeah. cool to see. Um, so we got some latecomers and all that stuff. Uh, and Vishal, I didn't even get to, it. he said, uh, the, the chat was really resonating with him cause he's going through some, some, um, manpower some some uh personnel issues and that's i mean that mm -hmm. again can be an episode to itself uh, oh, yes. managing of people is just an uh, you know people are always the x factor in this and if you want to grow there's only so far you can go by yourself uh mm -hmm. so we'll we'll have to you know, do more of that later. I would love to have Vishal uh get on and share some of the challenges and maybe talk through you know what they learned yes. and, and what he's learning for it at some point. I think that would be good. Uh, but I would say let's let's try to wrap it here. Um, good episode, lots of yeah. stuff. I want to thank you guys for just like letting us vent and let me share you know my journey and for all the people that are supporting us whether it's financial or just being here asking questions and contributing mm -hmm. and saying hi and all that stuff. We love we love you all. Mm -hmm. Um. Um, I, I, you know, this is, even though it's still in the, in the realm of a passion project, I do believe this is a very important, uh, topic of conversation. I think it's near and dear. I would love to see more and more people, um, you know, take the leap when appropriate with realistic expectations and, mm -hmm. uh, and you know, we'll, we'll keep, we'll keep them coming. I've got a queue of, uh, some people that I'm reaching out to for some awesome future guest spots, which is good. Cool. Um, and you know, we'll continue to refine the offering, but as always, please en engage with us. Our Twitter handles and our social media handles are down below. If you want to hear us talk about stuff, if you like what you hear, if you don't like what you hear, all that stuff, <coughs> excuse me, too much talking. Um, until then I want to wish everybody a happy weekend, uh, spend some time, get out, talk to people, engage, find your um, mentorship and, and your coaching where you can. I think that's a good takeaway and, uh, get that FaceTime in. That's another good takeaway from today. And, uh, we look forward yep. to seeing any of you guys at upcoming events, uh, earth being the next one out on the East coast. Uh, and, uh, we will catch you on the next <laughs> maker that money, uh, here next Friday. We're going, I'm getting your commitment right now, Andrew, next Friday, Let's do it. 9am 
on the YouTubes uh, after the fact on all the major pad podcasting platforms. And we will talk to you soon. Happy weekend, everyone. Yeah. Bye-bye. <laughs>